the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Corolla music. You wanted my Adam Corolla imitation. We'll do that the next time you're here sitting in for us. I'm talking to my producer, Chris Llewellyn, but this is my favorite time of the week. Third hour on Tuesdays, I get to have Lewis Hallman and his dad, Hugh Hallman, in studio with us talking, arguing the world. Lewis Hallman is the managing director of Inside Analytics. InsideAnalyticsLLC.com is his website. Hugh Hallman is the former mayor of Tempe. He is an attorney in town. He is an educator. He is many things. We started to, um, uh, this uh, little Tuesday thing. Uh, tete-a-tete. Yeah, tete-a-tete about a year and three months ago, mostly on COVID. And now we start on COVID uh, and do an update and take it um, outward from there. Hugh, your son Lewis will correct me. We take it outward from there. Centrifugally. Centrifugally. <laughs> Centrifugally. Centripetally. No! We've been over this. I'm right. We're not. I checked after the show last time, and you were not right. Hugh will, will, Hugh will be the deciding vote by the end of the show. What do we need to know on COVID? It's never going away because they're going to have uh, an Omega variant pretty soon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, in this instance, I get to start, Lewis, because it's my turn. Lewis always does the numbers, but I did them today, which means they're not really as clever, and they're a little clunky. But here is why. I continue to listen to check out what others are saying about our current crisis, the continuing, what do you call it, Lewis? The uh, permanent emergency. Permanent emergency. And here we have this permanent emergency is called COVID. And now it's the Delta variant, the Delta variant. Be afraid, be afraid. And just last night, listening to Ted Simons on KAET's uh, Horizon, he had a fellow named David Ingelthaler, who is a physician who has been uh, uh, a researcher who has been sequencing using the DNA of COVID to sequence the genetics of COVID and follow the variants as they popped out, including the Delta variant. And Ted Simons was ready to jump in and gave him every opportunity to continue to give us the bad news about why we should be afraid, lock down our schools, put on masks, all that good stuff. And... In fact, it was fascinating. I now have some significant trust for David Ingerthaler because every sort of bait uh, effort that uh, Mr. Uh, that, that Ted provided was passed, and instead the bad news for Ted, meaning good news for the rest of us, was given. And it was things like this. As Ted was saying, we've now got this Delta variant that now is causing concerns for people who are vaccinated. What should we think? And he said, well, in fact, it's the unvaccinated who need to worry because, of course, they're still susceptible to the disease. But he also told us that the Delta variant is no more virulent, no more lethal than any other of the other variants, that it has no greater chance and is not proving to get beyond the vaccine for anybody who's vaccinated. And more importantly... He added one more piece that we're going to get to. Lou, I have to make a quick correction. Uh, the, the virus is more virulent, virulence being the technical term to describe it. Which, right, is, which trans, means more spreadable, yes. but not more Fair lethal. Not that's more lethal. that's, that's yes, what yes. we're trying to his say. Actual, Fair enough. His we actual, use virulent in a non-scientific setting yes. until 
last year. <laughs> that's the so problem. So it, it right. is not more severe right. was actually, right. that's the quote. Right. It was not right. more severe, that it right. does infect cells in the body faster, and it spreads more easily, and that's why it moves a little more quickly. But the result in that is that, in fact, there has been no increase in cases. So it is the case that the Delta variant is now the more popular one. As he said, it's the name brand now of the the disease or the, the virus, but it's it's now accounting for more than 50% of the cases in the U.S. and approached that in, in Arizona. But the question then should be, so what does that mean about cases? And the answer is, looking at the data, not much. That's exactly right. And and to really clarify this, even though we have this novel strain that is purportedly significantly more virulent, spreads much faster, our case counts here in Arizona are really in the low hundreds per day on average, which is right around the levels we were seeing last September at the very lowest level of the pandemic since this thing started about 15 months ago. Now, they have held there since March 1st of this year, roughly. And so for the last four months, we have seen no substantive upward movement at all in caseloads, despite all of the crowing and braying on behalf of the corporate press that the Delta variant is here and it is our doom. But we have seen upward movement in retrenching and remasking. And Absolutely. you are seeing this particularly in California. Dr. Fauci today said that he wants three-year-olds in masks because they can't get vaccinated. Yes, and now, so now I have let, a lot of research on what masks is doing to what masks do to young people. None of it good. Let me give you sort of the commentary from last night uh, that Mr. Ingerthaler added, or Dr. Ingerthaler added, that I thought was most valuable. So Lewis and I have talked about the fact that we've got the issue of. Uh, we've measured the number of cases based on people who got tested, and the only people who get tested are those people with symptoms, so it leaves out all the folks who are asymptomatic. Right. We've been trying to figure out, because there are not very good studies, we begged our governor, go out and do a random sample of people so we can look at now the unvaccinated people, how many of them have been exposed and are carrying immunity of some form. Well, Mr. Ingerthaler, Dr. Ingerthaler, last night, laid down some data that was really devastating for the Ted's uh, Simonses of the world, but was not carefully heard. And here was the data. He said, when Ted said, people who are vaccinated need to be concerned, and the response was, no, actually, it's the unvaccinated. And interestingly, he adds, that his estimation now, based on the data they're collecting, as they are sequence, sequencing the DNA of COVID, is that their estimate is about 75% of the population in the state of Arizona have immunity, have some form of immunity. Well, he acknowledged 50% of the population is now vaccinated. That means 25% more have immunity because they have antibodies, because they have gotten the virus. That helps us now understand. They would have had immunity before the vaccine, in other words. That, <laughs> a lot of them, but that, go that ahead. That is the point. Right. And that, that right. if you take that as true, yeah. that TGen has been collecting data, they have to be getting data from people who are infected right. to get the virus and are blood testing people who have not been vaccinated. And therefore, they are finding data on people who have the immunity because they have antibodies because they were infected mm -hmm. but showed no symptoms. Right. I'd like to... If I may. Can I close the last oh, thought so on sorry. this? So, so it is just that. If 25% of the population, half of the people who have not been vaccinated right. have immunity, right. that tells us that at least or approximately half the population has been exposed. Mm -hmm. And yet we can only account for approximately 14% of the people who have been tested. 
And therefore, that tells us a little bit, gives us some insight that perhaps four times as many people, three yep. or four times as many people have had asymptomatic cases. That helps us now understand the data. I'd like to get TGen to offer up the data it's collected on the people who are unvaccinated, the proportion of them that they're finding that actually have uh, antibodies and therefore have some immunity, as he's discussed. That data would help us understand the real, the real lethality of this disease, which now looks significantly overstated because the Arizona data, if you take it with 901,000 cases and 18,055 deaths, that tells us we have a mortality rate of 2% over the entire population. Mm-hmm. That's what that works out mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But that's using the U.S. protocol that says if you tested positive any time in the last 60 days, then you drop dead of a heart attack on day 59, you're a COVID death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world doesn't do that. They cut it down to 28 days, which cuts the number in. Cuts it roughly by half. Uh, if I'm, We're looking at a U.K. study that was done at Oxford, I believe, in September after they changed. The U.K. had previously had a 60-day standard like ours. When they switched over last August, they noted reductions comparable, 40 to 60 percent typically, depending on the period that you were counting. Reductions in deaths accounted in deaths, for. yes. And uh, account attributed to COVID. And so if you take the 2 percent mortality rate, cut it in half, that's 1 percent. Then if you recognize, based on this kind of data, that half of those people, uh, it should be cut in half again because 50% of the people uh, who had COVID never got a test because they were asymptomatic. You don't get tested if you're asymptomatic. That cuts your mortality rate to 50, uh, half a percent. Another half, yeah. And then if it's really closer to 80% of the cases are asymptomatic, then guess what? You're at flu or below. Mm-hmm. So we've had this massive panic and still have a, a, a community of political leaders who do not want to answer that question. Well, How lethal is this disease? Well, uh, right. I, I, and, and, and see, that's the thing about flu and below that bothers me so much about masking in children. More children die of the flu every year than have died of COVID. Now, Significantly more. Significantly more. And now I, I just want to read directly. A new study involving over 25,000 school-age children shows that masks are harming school children physically, psychologically, and behaviorally, revealing 24 distinct health issues associated with wearing masks. Some involved in the study include headaches, difficulty concentrating, drowsiness and fatigue, malaise, and nearly a third of the children experience more sleep issues than they had previously, and a quarter of the children knew fears. We're doing that to them for something less dangerous than that for which we have never done that to them. Anyway, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. We also have a question from Rob about Amtrak, but since... You've made run, trains run on time. I figured you were the ideal guest to answer a question on Amtrak. fact, my family went on Amtrak. We'll talk about it. Then you're an expert. I am Seth. They're the Hallmans. We'll be right back. Little Charlie Pride for you. He was a casualty of COVID last year. Sorry to see him go. Uh, good long life. Uh, Hugh Hallman and Lewis Hallman are our guests. 602-508-0960 is our number. We're talking COVID. We'll get into other politics shortly including something about Amtrak from one of our callers. Um, did we, where did I leave us? Uh, somewhere where we wanted to go? Or we were discussing yeah. the COVID Delta variant, and okay. I, th- I think we wanted to make the case also. So we're hearing reports from the, the corporate press of, you know, record high cases and a much more deadly disease. And we went over in the last segment that this, in fact, does not seem to be the case. We're not seeing more cases in aggregate than we were at the lowest point of the pandemic Cases have been flat for about three months. 
Now, the other side of this where we can really see that it's not more uh, uh, bad, it doesn't it isn't hurt us worse, is in the mortality data, uh-huh. where we're still seeing um, between 8 and 12 deaths on average per day. Not even that high. Um, going the back. Last, the last week, we're looking at six and seven. But I mean for the past few months, but yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. And But but Lewis is, done, is the only one who's done the math. Here we have an example. The state reported 20 deaths reported today. Right. That and wasn't 20 people who died today. It's 20 people whose data they collected over? Over, over really since the pandemic started. But it, in all likelihood, it's probably 20 people within the last three months, given the way that this typically works. Our state and many others have this incredible difficulty capturing good data sets in a way that, that we can actually see what happened as it would have happened. The I know. That- we, 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 we pride ourselves as being a measurable society or country. It is amazing what one has to go through to get the data one wants. You can't do it through the CDC. Journalists I mean, there's some. Are a staggeringly enumerate class of people. Right. You have to go to. Various county health websites. I mean, it and really even even at those levels, the counties are not themselves aggregating in weird numbers. Let, yeah, let me let me try and explain what's going on here, if I may. So, so AZDHS is adding its reports of what happened today, where it takes in all of its new death certificates that it's found and all of its new cases that it's found that were submitted today, not dated as of today. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? So they're taking all of those records submitted today, and they're counting those as the day's results. And they have done that for every single day of the pandemic that they've listed. And so you'll see days over the summer where they'll count 12,000 new COVID cases. But there were not 12,000 COVID cases that day. There were just 12,000 reports submitted that day of COVID cases reaching back probably about a month uh, uh, prior, all lumped in together in a big distribution. And so untangling that data is necessary to actually discover what the real time series of the pandemic was, because otherwise we're looking at skewed, weirdly aggregated data that's just giving us a false picture of what actually happened and what the response was by COVID to our policies and lockdowns. Yeah, with with the news reporters reporting every bad bit of news that drives more bad policy decisions, I remember the day Lewis called me and said, You can't believe what I found. The director of the Arizona Department of Health Services has just put up on her uh, on her blog that she has been hiding the data. They tried to scrub out the fact that they had been miscalculating the data. And that's when we first discovered this mess that they'd created. And it's continued. And as a result, we sit here and have a bleeding uh, corporate press is the way I think Lewis is now wanting me to refer to it. That corporate press bleeding about how bad things are using data that makes no sense. And just last night on our tax-preferred paid-for television station, uh, we had the host of Horizon trying to skew it yet again that it was all bad news. And even the the scientists that he had on the station had to tell him, no, it ain't that bad. In yeah. fact, we're at 75% immunity, which gets us what, Lewis? Herd immunity? That's about. about right. Give which we're not supposed to talk about. Right. Remember when we weren't if supposed were... to talk about herd immunity? Well, now this is all Fauci seems to care about. If you recall back at the beginning of this, when we were first identifying what it would take to vaccinate our entire society and and really develop an aggregate herd immunity to COVID, Mm -hmm. the number that we were looking for was 75 to 80 percent, which we have achieved effectively now. 50 percent through vaccine rollout and a further 25 percentage points through natural gained immunity. And so if we're there, then I have to ask, what are we still doing? 
with this. No, I have to Why ask Why is that Anthony too. still trying to get on the front page of magazines talking about masks? Right. Well, that and, he needs this, an Emmy. and this new theology around vaccines, which is just so odd to me. I don't have particularly strong opinions, but they are making me have strong opinions. May, may I actually it reminds me of the Emerson line that the more they, he spoke of his honor, the more I wanted to count the spoons. Uh, it really is weird. It's really weird how <laughs> exactly the, right. how from we went from the mask as a patriotic duty to the vaccine as a patriotic duty. Well, the last comment that David and citizen Ingr- seems to think it's okay to ask strangers, as I saw in the C's candy store the other day, asking each other if they're vaccinated. That's correct. And what I want to tell people who are uh, wearing masks: so what? You're unwilling to get vaccinated? Right. No, I just don't think you have. Well, then you're protected because you've been vaccinated. Choose a side right. to get. Here was Zingerthaler's one comment that I. Really Really appreciated when uh, Mr. Simon said, you know, we've now undermined science. Tell us what you think about what's happened with trust the science. And his comment was this, and I quote, one side has been using science as a battering ram against the other. That isn't the answer that Ted Simons had wanted. No, no. It just begs one other question. Which is why you remain the only Arizonan to watch Air Horizon. <laughs> so makes... I can see what Ted is saying and be able to comment on it. But Lewis has a, a major point. I asked that we... a friend of mine that. It, it, once in a while it pays off. It has uh, well, I, I watch it only when it's the topic that I think we need to cut up. So, so the, other, the other issue that seems to be driving our debate is that you know we're worried about health outcomes to people who've been uh, uh, not vaccinated. And, right. And, and so, but the, the interesting thing here, though, is that we have been prioritizing vaccination of those most affected. And if you look at the rates of vaccination, you see that vaccine rates climb with age and comorbidity. Those most at risk have realized that on their own and gotten the vaccinations in large part. So while Arizona is only at a 50 percent average vaccination rate amongst our seniors aged above 65, that number is 86 percent. And so the actual dire outcomes are not going to be happening amongst these large populations. The, the people that are going to get sick are the ones that are still largely unvaccinated, which are to say people my age who then are not bearing the same dire health consequences that the elderly are. And who have made choices not to get vaccinated in an environment in which they can't get the information about outcomes, uh, adverse outcomes from vaccination. Absolutely. We did a terrible job in collecting and detailing to the public what the actual a- adverse outcomes were and as a result, the government came off like it was trying to pull a fast one on us this entire time. There was a, a Harvard Business School study uh, that indicated that the total events submitted to the Adverse Vaccine Event Reporting System, which is the big database mm-hmm. where our government collects all of those issues, they were underreported by a factor of 100. Which is amazing. So one percent, one percent of the bad outcomes of the of the vaccines made it into that system. Wow, which were then used to describe how safe the vaccine was. Wow, I want to talk about that, and I want to ask you both, Hugh. I'll start with you. What your sense is on the mandates for vaccines that a lot of parents are going to have to start thinking about with regard to their students or schools. Private schools and colleges going to be able to mandate. Emmanuel Macron in France is now requiring a health pass for public events, which is a digital, a digital, um, a digital accounting of whether you've been vaccinated or not. Is that coming to America? I'd love you both of your thoughts on that when we come right back. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs, new roofing, repair roofing, inspections. They're also doing great work right now and wanted to let you know about foam roof options. That Foam roofs help insulate your home from the extreme Arizona heat, but also exterior noises and, most importantly, water leaks. Trades Unlimited is expert at recoding as well as installing foam roofing if you're interested. But for, as I say, any roofing needs, I've used Trades Unlimited. I know the folks at Trades Unlimited. I've been to their warehouse. I've been to their office. I can tell you I understand fully why they have an A-plus rating at the BBB. Quality and services, what you get with Trades Unlimited. Don't wait until it's too late. Call them at 480-483-1775 or find them online at tradesunlimited.com. Again, for all your roofing Needs. I want to take a few calls before we uh, go back to the vaccine mandate, mandate question. Martin is in Gilbert. Hi, Martin. Hi, Seth. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thank you for your call. Yeah, I just wanted to point out I was one of the people who had the virus. To me, it was a cold at the time. Yet, because I do blood and platelet donations, I now test positive for the antibody and I've been doing so for six months. So I'm one of those that fall into that category which also brings the next point of we always hear about everybody has to be vaccinated. Why can't there be something to show this situation and say, I don't need the vaccine, but I don't want to hear any more crap, so to speak, from people who are pushing the vaccine. So to speak. (laughs) Or as Joe Biden would say, literally, right? Uh, But Martin and Hallman's this 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 is a great point because there is a theology around the vaccine as there was a theology around the mask isn't there that is that that takes no account zero account of efficacy versus a person like Martin who 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 has as much immunity from this virus as someone who would have gotten a vaccine part of the issue is that right? masks and now vaccines are really being used more as totems right. by our political establishment than as any kind of serious medical practice or solution. We have this curse upon our land that that the Democratic establishments has called COVID-19, and they would like to appeal to these magical blessings bestowed to us by the priestly class of scientists called masks and vaccines. And hopefully these charms, trinkets, and baubles will keep us safe and uh, uh, prevent the magic mystery spell that is afflicting our Fine realm. And yet keep in mind that those very same witch doctors are using that power exactly the way the witch doctor would. And that is to say that they're using it to pull power to themselves. Those people who want to keep beating this permanent emergency are purely, in my view, using it in the same way critical race theory. All these other efforts are being used to pull power to the left and demonstrate that you can only survive with their help and insistence, that they're the ones who know better for us, and we just need to trust them. They first said trust the scientists. What they really meant is trust us on the scientists you should listen to, who then reflect back to us as the people who know best. It's like the impulse that went into the creation of the Great Society back in LBJ's day, where we have this, it's almost like Munchausen by proxy, where the state is desperately desirous that that it is the only place that the people turn to for succor or assistance or any kind of other help and aid, that 
to these people, if we have alternatives that exist outside of the state, that we could self-organize, create our own responses to the pandemic, that the existence of these outside power structures themselves is what is intolerable. Right. The opposite of de Tocqueville's analysis, that it was these unusual associations, our churches and, and civic groups, that gave us strength. And in fact, the left understands that that's true that that gives us independence from government structures. And so those are being wiped out slowly but surely. People are bowling alone. As a result, we have an atomistic society, and only the government can provide you that support and, and, and provide you the answers. At least according to the government. Correct. And it has the end result of that is destroying humanity. It is dehumanizing people. They are becoming dependents of the state. And we see that now in the, as a result of this crisis, the number of people who find it easier not to go to work, to accept the check, and believe their life is better when they don't have to earn their living. You're a former constitutional officer, and, and, and God please, will be one again soon someday, Hugh. What I worry about is the part where the trend where we are taking rights and turning them into privileges um, such that we are now finding a state that is converting rights into privileges. You can earn your living. You can go to work. You can engage in the freedom to travel, which is a right, according to the United States Supreme Court, um, if you do what we ask. In this case, it's a vaccination. This is no longer a right, it's a privilege. You can have 4th of July if you mask, right? These, these, these kinds of public gatherings of association have been converted from rights to privileges, and that's a decimation of the Constitution. Let's pick that up when we come back. Seth Leibson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. It is a delight to have the Hallmans with us. 602 I want to put in a word for my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Plumbing. It's the company I use. It's the company my friends and family use. I love the team at Cool Touch. I know them all very well. And they are really the team that takes customer service to a new level. You're just going to have to trust me on that until you call them and then experience it for yourself. They have a great system they're promoting as well uh, for a great new unit if you're in the market for a new air conditioning unit that instead of turning off and on to keep the temperature in the house or in the room that you want, it's as if it has a dimmer switch on it, saving all those power surges and giving you just the right amount of air conditioning that you want with the biggest savings on your utility bills. And they have a $2,000 rebate offer going on that system over at Cool Touch right now. But for all your air conditioning needs, that or repair or inspection or installation, you name it, Cool Touch is where you want to call, 623-734-1932, or visit them online at cooltouchac.com, cooltouchac.com. Quick call for the Hallmans, possibly on an issue having to do with public transportation, but you tell us. Rob and Surprise, welcome. Is he there? Rob, going once, going twice, not there. So, Hugh, Vaccine mandates. We're seeing in the European Union that beginning to take form. People are very concerned about it here. And it goes into the part of what I was saying in the last segment, that if we go down that road, we will have succeeded in turning yet another right, in this case, the right to travel, the right to have your business, the right to employment, uh, converted into a privilege. Um, that's, that's, 
you know, we know the distinction. A driver's license is the traditional privilege, not a right. But the First Amendment is, the Fifth Amendment is a right, not a privilege. So I, I, the way I see it, Seth, is that a, what's very interesting about that, that we have, you know, the government effectively attempting to remove many of our, our most uh, uh, fundamental rights or use them as uh, currency in exchange for our complying with mask and vaccine mandates. Um, we also have, you know, these very same people are, are, are those that breathlessly insist on the creation of all sorts of new rights that are, to me, frankly, ludicrous, such as the right to something like health care or the right to potable water, for instance. And in my thinking, rights cannot have a supply constraint associated with them. You can't make health care a right because there isn't an infinite amount of health care. And I would if say if we that- made it a right, what we would be doing is we would be trampling on the right of every doctor to have their freedom to earn the fruits of their labor. Well, in fact, that's the, the real test is the rights in the Constitution don't come at someone else's expense. Right. The rights that you've just articulated all require someone to exert their labor, create resources. And as Lincoln said, uh, that is the sort of society in which uh, the argument is, uh, you will make the bread and I will eat it. The work I eat. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly right. And in this instance, that's exactly the kinds of rights that the left are coming up with. That is precisely opposite what Abraham Lincoln understood the Constitution to be for, what the Declaration of Independence, which were the golden apples that were then framed by the silver frame of the Constitution. You like that, huh? I, Of course. I'm stealing it directly from Seth. You're not, just a, you're not just a host. You're a listener. I'm a listener. And so in this instance, we've got two things going on. We're denuding the constitutional rights that are fundamental, that were crafted by our founders based on a notion of individual rights that come not from the Constitution, but from the existence of God and man, and that those are those are natural rights. You don't actually have to posit a God to tease out the fact that my right to behave is limited by your right to do the same thing. And the Constitution's uh, statements and then the ultimately the Bill of Rights enshrine those notions that flow out of the Declaration of Independence that declares that all men are created equal, that we would have equal rights. So that's why this crazy notion that somehow the federal government or the state puppets working under them in California, New York, and some other places are going to mandate behaviors that are required before one gets to exercise the natural rights that have been enshrined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's craziness. If I can put it a bit uh, well a bit more simply, I, I think another good way to dichotomize those is between positive and negative rights. Uh, a positive right is a right wherein uh, something must happen first, again, like the health care example. Uh, whereas a negative right is something like the rights to the fruits of your labor that can only be taken away from you but not given. Uh, but to to your earlier question, though, Seth, you had asked, is it likely that we'll see the same kind of mask mandates and other horrifying nonsense that we've seen in the European Union brought to the U.S.? And Well, vaccine mandates is my right. biggest worry because we know we can do the mask yeah, mandates, right? Uh, excuse me. Yes, yeah. that, that's right. But um, that, I think, was the testing ground, but, right? I mean, this was the concern of the mask mandate, if, well, they, if they could mandate that. In my mind, you know, such mandates would be horrifyingly collectivist, pathological, and downright un-American. But we've done a lot of things in our history yep. that are pathological, downright un-American, yep. and collectivist. Yep. Japanese internment is yep. an extreme example. Yep. And so, 
you know, history does not give me lots of optimism when I, I think that the grasping, greedy people who are currently in charge of our political institutions are very likely to keep trying to expand their own power and keep pushing this nonsense on us. And this, the whole COVID experiment, experiment that we're dealing with is to see how far people would go to be sheep and how easily they might be led. And that is what's, I think, Seth, giving you the concern that we'll have vaccine mandates. And last week we talked about the probabilities I see. The way it's going to happen first is once a vaccine is available for children, it's going to be mandated that if you want to go to school, to a public school, you've got to get vaccinated. We've also got the travel restrictions that are being uh, imposed on us by the federal government. That is to say that it's Joe Biden making you wear a mask at an airport and in an airplane, Uh, uh, notwithstanding that Democrats from the legislature in Texas all boarded private private aircrafts without their masks uh, to try to avoid uh, participating in a democratic process. It's an amazing thing going on right now. A democratic process that's going to ask people to show an ID to vote and the irony being that each one of those legislatures, legislators had to show an ID to get on that private plane before they took their masks off. Precisely. Precisely. I show you the times. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Thanks for spending some of your uh, afternoon with us. It means a ton. And uh, it's a delight to do it with the Hallmans. I want to thank them again um, for, um, for coming in as they do every Tuesday. I was struck by your words, Hugh, not only on our founding, but on the invocation of Lincoln, who was thinking of those natural rights and natural laws of the Declaration of Independence when he said, whenever some tyrant in the future may stand up in this country to take away the rights of Americans, they'll still have that tough nut to crack, that old Declaration of Independence. You gave a great summary of what we learned from it, and it seems to me the degree of tyranny we face in America is uh, measurable, is measurable by the extent to which we forget our history. It's amazing to me that all of this is happening at once. Do you want to put in one more word for understanding what that history was all about? Yes, and I would say it this way. The reason critical race theory has me so gravely concerned is it would be a a philosophy that tries to rewrite the history of the United States and uses a lens that not only... uh, requires us to understand the sources of racism, but believes that it is the only lens through which anything can be viewed. And that throws out most of what is good about this country. That philosophy lost in the Civil War. And it was Abraham Lincoln who understood that the values we were celebrating as a result of the victory of the Union against uh, the South was the values that were enshrined in the Declaration of Independence that were then held up Uh, with the uh, Constitution. And it really is uh, from one of his most important concepts, I think, that I was uh, pulling that. And it is his, his speech, quote, It is the eternal struggle between these two principles, right and wrong, throughout the world. They are the two principles that have stood face to face from the beginning of time and will ever continue to struggle. The one is the common right of humanity and the other the divine right of kings. It is the same principle in whatever shape it develops itself. It is the same spirit that says, quote, you toil and work and earn bread and I will eat it. No matter in what shape it comes, whether from the mouth of a king or those who seek who seeks to bestride the people of his own nation and live by the fruit of their labor or from one race of men as an apology for enslaving another race. It is the same tyrannical principle. The folks who are teaching this principle lost. 
let's not let them win again. <laughs>